0: It's going to do it again. So we checked the sound boards, and everything was working fine, and I pressed the sound clip and sound cue for our drop, and it's going to start in about five seconds. How are you guys doing? It's Wrestling Geeks Alliance again. And uh, look for Jeff Jarrett to uh, interrupt me in a second. It'll only be seven seconds, and we'll get back to this. But I hope you guys are having a wonderful evening. Uh, me and Christopher Ray Patton are doing another episode to talk about a lot of shakeups, if you will. Uh, people getting hired to produce over in WWE, people possibly leaving, people definitely Listen leaving. Up, this is the king of the mountain, Jeff Jarrett, and you're listening to the Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Love Talk Radio. My fucking God. Yeah. Chris, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Not as good as Jeff
1: Jarrett. He just fucking interrupted you and called you a slap nut. Dude, what the hell is
0: going on? I, was, man? I, you know, I was so excited to have that since you know we talked to Jeff Jarrett a little under no, no no, What, a little bit yeah almost a year ago actually right before WrestleMania that's right before he got inducted and he was talking about actually I said when he was when was he going to have a feud with Elias and uh, it looks like and we'll talk about it, that's a possibility in the near future. So I uh, thought that would be a good way to start out, Tested the boards, uh, try to scare you right before we get on. Everything works fine. Then we get on the air, I press the button, and it went off, what, two minutes afterwards. Oh, well, what are you going to do? That's live radio, people. You know what? From now on, I'm doing the drops at the end, so we don't have to worry about it. Um, but, yeah. We're going to have a fun night. We have a lot to talk about. we got a lot of changes to talk about. we got a thing called the Royal Rumble to talk about. we got a thing called NXT TakeOver Phoenix to talk about. So, I mean, why not start talking about those subjects? All right, let's go over the news, Chris. I think the biggest uh, piece of news, and, you know, I don't remember if I went over it last week. I think this kind of dropped right afterwards, but... Uh, Dave Metzler on the Wrestling uh, Observer uh, noted that most likely Ronda Rousey was going to take a break after WrestleMania, and that there was uh, a lot of knowledge uh, that this was something that she was doing to pursue possibly having a child, starting a family. She definitely said she wanted to do that in the near future with her husband, and that was something near to her, um, and that she was only on a year contract, I believe, to begin with. Uh, that started, obviously, at Mania. Um, and uh, she denied the rumors. Uh, and she basically said that whatever is happening with her and her reproductive parts in her uterus is, is uh, her business and it's no one else's. And WWE said that she is reported, I think, in contract after Mania. Um, so there is a lot of conflicting reports as of it yeah so the statement from wwe spokesman uh was ronda rousey is under contract with wwe until april 10th 2021 but has renegotiations considered uh in the future whether she wants to start a family as a private matter that's it that's all the information that we've basically gotten and you know it is normal for someone to say face when asked about this so if she was leaving leaving Uh, you know, for whatever reason, whether it would be to start a family or whatnot, um, she's not going to say anything within an interview. Now, at the same time, if this is something that ends up being bogus and she stays around, um, it definitely is going to cause and has caused, I believe, Chris, a negative reaction to the fans to Rhonda, kind of similar to what Brock and Goldberg got uh, back when they had their feud and everyone knew they were leaving, uh, it seemed like, you know, the 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 smart crowd, the, the mark crowd, whatever you want to call it, uh, some of them, unlike me, who thinks that Ronda has caught on extremely fast to wrestling, um, that she's no good. You know, we can have all these wrestlers that are ex-athletes uh, in different professions, uh, whether it be a lot of them being football players, like Goldberg, like Roman Reigns, like The Rock, um, beforehand, but – for some reason, when it comes to Rhonda, you know, probably due to the fact that what she built up beforehand in UFC, there are a lot of people that seem to not be on the same train as her being in the spotlight uh, within the WWE. So, that definitely uh, the booze that she, you know, received uh, both on the Royal Rumble and definitely on Monday Night Raw, which the promo she, uh, with her stumbling on her lines because they overscript her. Way too much dialogue for her to memorize. That's way too t- articulate. I don't, I, I don't understand it. Um, it. At the end, she caught it back a little bit. I think she would have went off script because she basically threatened to kill Becky Lynch. Not 100% sure, but she got it after her encounter with Becky. But beforehand, man, that was the worst I've seen. Either way, Ronda Rousey maybe leaving after Mania. Uh they apparently WWE uh, has responded there is no uh plans as of now to do a four horsewoman versus four horsewoman. Um and a lot of that stuff uh is just build up and maybe the ladies themselves trying to build a storyline. Or they're just you know saying that and they're gonna do it anyways. Like I said, there's a lot of open speculation. I'm just curious to find out what my good friend Christopher thinks about all this. And uh, what, what do you think will happen with Rhonda after mania?
1: Well, I mean obviously there's a lot of unknowns here because we, I, all we've heard is rumors that she will be out after mania. Does it, they didn't necessarily say "When after mania or if it's right after mania, or there's nothing like that out there that's floating around that I've seen. Um, as far as you know her wanting to go have a child and and, and go that route. Wrestling is really, really tough. She's been there every week. She's doing the normal travel schedule of a wrestler. It's not limited in the way that Brock is. Um, Not that Brock has been super limited as of late, just because of the, they kind of booked all his dates together this year. Um, So he's been there a little more than he normally would be, but you get what I'm saying. It's it's not as limited as as some of the other special talent that they bring in. Uh, That being said, with people booing her, I, they put her in a tough spot. Her and Bailey just didn't have a great match on Monday Night Raw. I don't know how much we're going to get into that. And then the promo didn't help anything. And well, the I will say too, tears...
0: the, the the match with Bailey. Bailey looked really frustrated. It looked like. The reaction of the crowd beforehand frazzled Rousey so much she was forgetting whatever they went over. Because there's a couple parts where Bailey, like <laughs> Bailey, who's who's misaggressive, of course, like threw down her headband or was slapping her hands and saying, "What do you want to do?" or something like that. It just it looked like she just completely lost it. And we do know, Chris Ronda, she has uh, issues with public image and people. You know, it seems like liking her almost, uh, especially with her past in UFC. Shut up, Cat. Sorry.
1: Yeah, in a lot of ways, it almost seemed that, the, I mean, I I heard rumor of this, so I'm not going to confirm 100%, but it looks like they told them to go out there and just call it in the ring. Um, pretty easy to forget that Ronda has not been doing this as long as a lot of other people. Uh, like, for instance, I wouldn't go out there and tell Lacey Evans to call it in the ring either. Uh, so I think that is more of what happened is they went out there and they knew they had a few spots that they tried to do. And until now, Ronda's been kind of protected in not having those kind of matches. Like, oh, uh, the matches are a little more thought out. And, uh, yeah, Bayley did look clearly frustrated. In, you know, the other thing is maybe they just don't have any chemistry together, which is very possible. Um, but, yeah, and then the promo definitely didn't help. She is going to get heat because right now Becky Lynch is the hottest shit um, in the wrestling or in at least in the WWF universe. And everyone just sees Ronda as not Becky. Uh, it's going to be the same thing with any women's card. If they throw Charlotte into that three-way match at Mania, or if they do a three-way match at Mania, both of them are going to get booed. Uh, it's just because of how over Becky is right now. So I think a part of that is just playing into that in a way. And then the other thing is just, you know, Becky's was a fighter first and not a wrestler. With Brock a little more accepted because he was a wrestler first, then was a fighter, and then came back as a wrestler. And, you know, Ronda's last two fights in UFC, a lot of people think that she kind of ran from UFC after getting beat. Um, But, I mean, all that shit aside, I think that she's done a lot for the wrestling business. I think she's had some decent matches. I I thought that the Royal Rumble pay-per-view match was fine, which we'll get into. But, uh, yeah, the weird hate for Ronda, part of it is, like I said, I think I think it's mostly just she's not a wrestler first. Um, and her being booked directly to the top probably doesn't help her case. The fact that she's undefeated and she's trying to play this babyface role, realistically, they should have booked her as a heel, like right off the bat. Um, at least in my opinion. But giving her these long scripts and trying to make her a babyface while talking to, you know, Sasha and Ronda, or I mean Sasha and, and Becky and Bailey, who were constantly doing this four horsewomen thing and teasing this four horsewomen thing and, and saying like, "Hey, we were originally there." It just further points out the fact that they're not—they're not the—that they're not the, uh, they were—they've uh been there, you know. So I a lot of a lot of times I think the fans look at that as well and her stumbling over her lines. Uh, didn't help. But also, you know, it is the crowd after the Royal Rumble, and while that's not as bad as the after Mania crowd, they are a lot harsher, because I, I would say the Rumble is the second biggest pay-per-view of the year at this point. So, uh, I I don't have an answer for you, but that, those are my general thoughts on why it is what it is.
0: No, I get that. I, I think that, although with all of this, There is a percentage of people that don't like her. Like I said, uh, I don't want to... I love professional wrestling. I love all forms of it. You do too. There are certain people that it's like they look at it a certain way. And uh, Ronda was not fit for this thing beforehand because she was a celebrity and she was coming on the wrestling turf or whatever the fuck. You know, I just... I've never understood that. Um, You know me when it comes to... The perception of a small group of people that are trying to be loud about something um, compared to other wrestlers and Kurt Angle giving her uh, props and just all this other stuff, and even watching her match with Natalia that was completely called in the ring from what they said, and her match with Charlotte and her match even with Sasha. You know, she's not, she hasn't dragged ass. And if anything, I think she's brought Spotlight to professional wrestling and given it a little bit of legitimacy. And I'm not going to say all the fans are like this that have a problem with her, but I think some of them are the same, I'm sorry, idiots that fucking would pick EC3 and Bobby Lashley over Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe and say that Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens are probably bad wrestlers based on their physique. And obviously just don't pay attention to the actual wrestling. So, or in a situation where it's someone that only likes high flying wrestling, it just, I don't, I don't understand that perception. Um, and I, I hope that's not like the clouded judgment, especially if we're just talking about stuff in their personal life, you know, with their problems after the UFC fights. And if that's clouded the, the judgment at all, I think that that's kind of silly. Um, I have no idea what Ronda's doing. And, you're absolutely right. There's really no real good answer for that um, if she is leaving. Um, but we will find out. And, I mean, honestly, especially with the Fox deal coming up, that's not that's not good for WWE to only have her for a year. If she's if she's having a child, though, you know, there is a good chance she's going to come back. I mean, uh, even though they haven't done anything with her. Maria left, had a baby, came back. Bree left, had a baby, came back. So there's a possibility that she, you know, needs time off, and there's when she gets itch for a ro- itch for the road, if you will, she does select dates, comes back as an attraction, and is doing stuff every once in a while. there's a good possibility for that there's also a good possibility she wants to have like a you know a, another year or two and then get out so she can actually have a really good wrestling run i just uh, I watched the um the documentary they had right after the Royal Rumble. Not after the Royal Rumble because it was like 2 o'clock in the fucking morning by the time that thing was done. Um, in which they, they kind of went into her reaction with WrestleMania last year and how much she loved wrestling and just talking about it and stuff like that. So I, 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 uh, I think there is a good chance that these reports could be false, but we'll have to wait and see after our WrestleMania. Do you have any other statements about that before we move on?
1: No, I mean I agree with you for the most part and I I have no problem with if she wants to take a hiatus and have a kid or even if she just thinks she needs a break. Uh, she's been going at this for almost a year now and, and maybe to some extent even maybe she shows. wants to go and Yeah, maybe she wants to go and hone her skills a little bit more and if you know, you could have a kid in the meantime and then come back later one or two years down the road, it she's still gonna be a name. She's still gonna have name value. Um You know, at this point, it's just completely up to her. I hope she's not doing it because of she's not the biggest female on the card. Um, I think that she is the biggest name outside of the wrestling business, but she's right now with where Becky Lynch is, she's just heads above everyone else. And I think putting her in there against Sasha with someone like Becky and Charlotte kind of on fire right now, you're pointing to the fact that there's other bigger stars, and now you're putting her with Becky in the ring as well, and I I don't know how her personality is. Obviously, I've never met Ronda Rousey, but they pushed her really, really fast, really, really hard, and probably told her that she was going to be a top star, and she's kind of not. And it's by no fault of her own. I think that she's trying really hard. Um, It's just, that's the way the cards fell. Like, Becky Lynch is fucking super over right now, and even... You know, even if Rhonda started to gain some momentum, Becky's still going to be more over, and she still should be winning at the, uh, WrestleMania. Um, and maybe that's just like leaves a sour taste. I Who the hell knows? But uh, yeah, but like everything I, you said makes sense.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with what you said. Uh, definitely. I mean, and at the same time, though. Granted, what you said, Rhonda is still a huge name, and she's still been—correct me if I'm wrong—undefeated so far. She's had the championship belt uh, for a good course of time. Obviously, I don't think anyone was thinking that Becky would get to the level of popularity that she's gotten, which has brought a rise in stock for Charlotte, for Rhonda, for Oscar, and the women's division in general. The women's division is the most probably potent and uh, exciting thing on. Uh, in WWE right now, and that's a good thing. That's definitely a good thing. And she's contributed, but Becky definitely has shared the spotlight. But honestly, from, from specifically from that documentary and stuff that I've heard other wrestlers say about her, I don't think that she'd be the one that's like, I need all the focus on me. I think that she kind of wants to take her energies and add to the whole entire thing. Like she's more, she seems like a fan, kind of like how Bailey comes off sometimes in interviews. Like she's completely overwhelmed with excitement about being a part of this whole thing so i can't see her trying to like pull a hulk hogan brother you know and do some politics backstage but who knows i'm sure that we're going to find out like i said a lot more information after mania um but i i believe regardless that becky's going to get that title from ronda mania i think that they're crazy if they don't have that happen She needs that moment and it looks like it is going to be the headline of WrestleMania, which is completely, is awesome. All right, Chris, do you want to move on to talk about some producers that got signed by WWE recently? Sure. All right, guys. So, uh, last uh, Friday was reported Sanjay Dutt and Abyss were both signed to WWE. They're both coming over from impact. Um, I know Tommy Dreamer and Raven took their parts as producers over there. So Don Callis is saying in the ECW family. Obviously, Tommy's been a lot involved in the product as of lately on television. And Sanjay Dutt and Abyss are coming over here. Jeremy Borash got them. Well, I don't know if he got them jobs, but apparently he had a lot to do with getting them. And now the addition of Jeff Jarrett and Shane Helms. All backstage producers. Uh, Jeff Jarrett apparently will be a little bit more than backstage producing. I don't know if they're going to go the route of, of him as a commissioner or whatnot, but he's definitely having an interaction with with uh, Elias. And uh, I guess Elias is heel now. I don't, I don't fucking know. Rusev is too. That's that's another conversation. But uh, the potential, Sanjay Dutt, there's been a lot of speculation. They're obviously trying to branch into India um, he's been over there a lot and performed, so he could be potentially like an ambassador for that, and maybe help out with their N- NXT facility once they've built it and, and started it over there for promotion. He's also an extremely gifted in-ring wrestler, obviously if you know or if you know TNA from from Sanjay's uh, performance. Uh, so there's a good uh, chance that he's just going to be like probably coaching and also putting together the matches for NXT, maybe helping out some of the guys um, that are you know, like a Seth Rollins, like Mustafa Ali, uh, help them out with their matches and inquire, you know, a mix between the WWE style and more high flying is what I'm assuming. Abyss is someone that's good to help with bigger guys, bigger gentlemen. Now I would have loved to have seen Abyss. Uh, and I, I said this uh, last week, making a surprise appearance at the Royal Rumble. So maybe it was last Wednesday when this was reported. I think it dropped right before I went on there. Um, uh, that would have been a lot of fun, even if it was a one-time thing. Uh, They didn't have Kane or Taker, so it kind of would have been a big guy to put in there, but that's fine. Uh, Instead, they did Jeff Jarrett. Like I said, he's going to be doing stuff with Elias. And Shane Helms. Um, So a lot of people are speculating that Jeremy Borash, who was hired and works now exclusively with NXT, which I have to say, man, I I don't understand why they're – it seems like they're underutilizing Jeremy Borash in the sense that even if it's on NXT, he should be doing backstage interviews because he's got a great voice and he's actually someone that – was really good with it, but Jeremy helped out with Jeff and Matt on the Hardy, the broken Hardy universe. Um, and he worked with all these guys in the back. Uh, you know, they're either wrestlers or producers back then. I know Shane Helms was heavily involved, so they're going to be providing their input for the product. Now we don't know if there's going to be any involvement with Jeff Jarrett past what he did with Elias on raw or Shane Helms or Sanjay or Abyss ever in the future as wrestlers, but Chris, as far as producers for the WWE, wherever they put them, NXT, SmackDown, Raw, you know, Sanjay going to India, do you think these are four names that are good to have as far as helping flush the matches, do backstage producing, and also coach, possibly?
1: Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, Abyss, I think, is great, especially if he's going to be working with some of the bigger guys or people that work a bigger style. I would love to see him work with uh, Keith Lee and and kind of pick his brain a little bit. Um, at Shane Helms and Jeff Jarrett, I'm assuming, will probably end up on the main, so it makes sense with you know Jeff Jarrett coming back. I think Shane Helms is a good wrestling mind, and Jeff Jarrett, um, while not liked by everyone, uh, I like him personally, and he was really nice to come on our show, has always proved that he was a pretty good, to me, wrestling mind, especially with TNA and, and coming up with the X Division and, and coming up with some neat ideas things that was different than what WWE was doing. And I think that they're going to need a little bit of that. Uh, especially if you think about, you know, AEW's looming, they're going to be doing something completely different than WWE. I mean, to some extent at the end of the day, it's, it's wrestling, but New Japan's completely different than Impact. Impact's completely different than WWE at this point. Uh, you know, MLW is completely different than all of them. And then you have Lucha Underground, which is just fucking. Also, it's weird own thing. So getting these new perspectives, and especially people like Jeff Jarrett and Shane Helms, who kind of worked uh, everywhere. Jeff Jarrett, to an extent, even worked back in the territory days. I think these are all good pickups. Sanjay Dutt, also a great performer, uh, putting him in the Indian market is kind of kind of a neat idea. I don't I, I I don't think he would solely be there unless they set up some kind of Tournament, or, or do something where he would be there full time, unless he's being a trainer or, or training one of their performance centers. There's a lot of um, a lot of good wrestlers that, you know, I to me like Jeff Jarrett, Shane Helms, Abyss, Sanjay Dutt, These are all wrestlers who've been well known for a long time, and there's a lot that they can bring to the roster, and a lot of ideas that are probably different than the way you know WWE's been booking things for so long. So it's it's interesting, and I, I think it's cool. Um, I'll be I'll be a little excited to see where, where they go. I would love to see Abyss work with some of the larger talent, um, just because I always thought that he, he was really proficient in ring, especially w- with working with smaller people. Um, he worked with a lot of the X Division guys. like I, He held the X Division title in TNA at one point in time, and I think that's something that Braun could really benefit from. Uh, sometimes his matches with smaller people look really sloppy to me, and uh, like that would be something that would be very beneficial for him. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's exciting all around. And like I said, these are big names. Jeff Jarrett is a good get for a producer role. And I'm gl- I'm glad to see him back clean and in the wrestling business and doing stuff and and being happy because I like I said I've always liked Jeff Jarrett. At least at least TNA Jeff Jarrett and late WCW Jeff Jarrett. Not so much WWF Jeff Jarrett, but
0: that's more of his character. Aren't not great. <laughs> yeah, I like flap nuts Jeff Jarrett. That's my, uh, that, I mean, that version of Jeff Jarrett, to me, personally, guys, this is my own opinion. I'm not going to say the best heels of all time, but he was in my top five, probably, as someone that I hated. I really, and it wasn't go away heat. It was like, I, he was just a very convincing heel uh, in his later days. Now, he's not up there as much as, like, say, Triple H, Hollywood Hogan, or Ric Flair. But, or Owen Hart for that matter, oh, I was a, I hated Owen for a long period of time. He just kept on messing <laughs> with Brett and Sean too much, you know? What a, what a a—I miss Owen Hart a lot. All right, well, yeah, I think he all those are good gets, man. Well, he, did, saying,
1: uh, he did he did kick the leg out of Brett's leg. I don't know if you've ever heard that promo. He's like, that's what I did what I did. I'm gonna that's why I kicked the leg. leg out of your leg. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But uh, just to follow up on the Jeff Jarrett thing, one other thing I'll note is out of all of the punches I saw thrown in the Royal Rumble, I think Alvarez pointed this out and I went back and watched it. Like Jeff Jarrett had the best working punch. So maybe he should work with the entire roster on their working punch.
0: <laughs> Pretty fucking Yeah. Bad. Yeah, especially Shane uh, McMahon on that whole thing. Because um, I don't understand how the hell they're so bad. But, like, he's like the opposite of uh, Jerry Lawler, for Christ's sakes. I love Shane. Shane O'Mac, but... <laughs> It's like a fury of just, like, soft stuffed animals nailing the fuck out of people. Funny thing is, it's a little bit off topic, but fuck it. Um, You know, I looked up, there was, like, a list, I think, on Reddit. Someone listed their top ten workers with the best, you know, working punch. And I found it funny that, you know, Jerry Lawler and uh, Terry Funk were one and two. And the reason why I say that is because they also had people, obviously, like Ric Flair, Bret Hart, you know, uh, a good a good amount of people, and I'm thinking to myself, well, like a working punch is like you know you're making it look like it's more devastating it is, and I'm pretty sure from many different people that Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk were just hitting the shit out of you, uh, you know. So is that really? Do you think that's really a working punch in that matter? Like if they're just working stepping well, uh, potatoing the shit out of people?
1: I, I think it depends on who they were facing, right? Like if you're facing Stan Hansen, then you're going to have to punch him back.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: I just remember so, Bret Hart I mean, a lot, a lot of
0: interview. He was like, Bret Hart was like, uh, he was talking about Jerry uh, when they had their feud in WWE, and like, you know, uh, he was talking about they were throwing punches, and Jerry hit him with like a couple potatoes, and then Bret was like, man, fuck this, so he just started throwing them back out. <laughs> so they were just <laughs> nailing each other, and that's that's awesome. Jerry Lawler is a badass. He's the original knockout artist. Cassius Ohno. Um, but, yeah, any other, any other last comments about – I don't even know what the fuck I was just talking about. Eh, I was just talking day. about
1: working, but, but uh, yeah, no, man, uh, Arn, had a, Arn Anderson has pretty damn good work working punch, too. Yeah, he would probably be in my top five.
0: Hell, yeah. All right, uh, let's talk about some guys that are uh, leaving the WWE, and, you know, whether it be wherever, you know, New Japan. Ring of Honor is throwing out money now. Impact uh, apparently Chris Jericho said that him and Kenny almost went over to Impact for Dawn, so people are, are, are giving out money. And then there's this entity called AEW with Tony Khan, and uh, people that are not happy, you know, are, are making it known. I know that we had uh, Maria and Mike Canellis. I know Maria went back on this, but apparently there was rumor that they were putting in their notice and getting out of there. That apparently WWE wanted Maria more so than Mike and they weren't really interested in him. Um, Dolph Ziggler was rumored to not renew up on his contract that's coming up. Uh, and Dolph even told an interviewer that he wasn't. That he wasn't going to be at the Rumble. He changed his name on you know, um, on Twitter to his original name. And then he was at the Royal Rumble. And still no word on that. The Revival, uh, that was confirmed, but they actually did ask for their release. WWE's is trying to renegotiate. But then you watch the Royal Rumble, and one of them, the one that was the most vocal and has made the most comments about fighting the Young Bucks on his Twitter, uh, Dash Wilder, was not on there. They instead made a hodgepodge team with AOP for the hell of it and still had them lose with a stipulation where both teams would get a title shot if the combined powers, if Reza and um, whatchamacallit, Scott Dawson were able to pull it off against Rude and Gable. Um, And now, added on to all those names, which are up in the air, we have Dean Ambrose, which is probably the biggest name so far. Um, after Raw, he put he put in his notice. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff on WWE's end. Uh, I think a lot of people have heard the interview with Stone Cold Steve Austin, which was kind of fucked up at the end of Stone Cold to kind of like start just annihilating Dean basically throughout it, talking about how complacent he is. Just if if you're gonna do that, I just feel like, and I love I love Stone Cold. If you're gonna do that. That should be off the air and not a part of an interview where you're just calling someone out. But to note, that has been confirmed by many people in the back that he's very complacent. He hasn't really enjoyed anything. And then on Dean's end, he's not enjoying uh, his creativity. He didn't like his heel turn. Uh, He liked being sinister, but he didn't like it just being driven, apparently, by the whole Roman Reigns thing. Um, And then when they just switched it and just completely got rid of it and did the whole Bane thing, he hated – he apparently hates hokiness. So I don't think he's going to be fighting Joey Ryan anytime soon. I think Joey Ryan actually made a funny Twitter remark my buddy sent me uh, saying that he won't be fighting me anytime soon then. Uh, But uh, getting back to Dean, yeah, and Renee Young works still for WWE, so that's a very weird situation. Now, obviously, we've had CM Punk leave. AJ Lee was still there. Uh, We had um, another situation where Austin Aries, back when he was with Selena Vega when she first came there, he left almost immediately uh, with his whole situation. So I'm sure this has happened more in the past where two people work for opposite promotions or whatnot. It's just uh, probably the biggest get uh, that another corporation. Now, apparently he's friends with Cody. Apparently he's friends with Chris Jericho. And from what Chris's tweet, which we won't really go into it because I think that you were right, Chris, with, you know, Y2J was playing the heel a little bit. He did mention, though, that there's about six people out of the other organizations that they're interested in, and I'm wondering if a conversation was had, and then Dean said, you know what? Fuck this. He turned down a seven-number I think... Yeah, wait, yeah, seven-number contract yearly for the next three years. So that's a lot of money to turn down, but apparently Dean lives in over in Nevada. He makes... He's saved up his money a lot. Him and Renee have a very happy life. They don't have a crazy huge house. He's paid everything off. So he's financially stable and wants more about creativity. Um, what is going to be in Nevada though, in Las Vegas is double or nothing. So I'm just wondering where Dean could go. I think that you are were, we're going to see John Moxley emerge somewhere. Now it could be, you know, since he's really good friends with Sammy Callahan, maybe he works out something, starts working impact MLW, that whole entire thing that all those guys work at, or maybe he goes to AEW I don't really see him bring of honor. He's probably not going back to CZW, but I could be wrong. Don't see him going over to Japan. I love Dean. I think his personality is tampered with. A lot of the stuff that I've seen from him in CZW, and I'm sure Chris will say the same thing, was a different dynamic than what he's been given. 2016 was a good year for him, but creative-wise, I don't think he's really been back relevant since he was a part of the Shield. I think that's when he was the most – aggressive form of himself, and uh, they've given him a lot of crap storylines. He did have a great match with Kevin Owens at Royal Rumble a couple of years back. He had a great match with Chris Jericho, that little cage match that they had, um, where Chris took the bump on the, the thumbtacks, actually. But other than that, Dean has not really done a lot, and apparently on from what WWE has to say and, and other wrestlers have to say, Dean's not really trying to do much to change that. And now it seems like he's getting out. Their grand name is released, and Mr. Uh, John Moxley will be going somewhere else. We also know that Hiero Atami, a.k.a. Kenta, you know, trained by the amazing Kenta Kobayashi, Kento Kobayashi, which is weird with their names being so similar, um, Pro Wrestling Noah, uh, huge star in there, huge star in all Japan, um, you know, huge star in Ring of Honor. Great matches that I've seen with Daniel Bryan from back in the day, uh, Nigel McGuinness. Um, you know, they never really utilized him at all. He kind of floundered in NXT. He got injured by I think KO. Uh, came back, nothing really worked out, and now it looks like when he he was sent to 205 Live. I said last week that if if uh, Buddy Murphy picks it up and they don't give it to a Tommy, I feel like this is a good sign that a Tommy is going to be. Looking to go somewhere else. It looks like that's actually happening. Now, that's a different situation. They haven't granted him the release, so they might be trying to rework things, or they could do what they did with uh, uh, what you call Neville and make him sit out until his contract's done. Not really sure. I know I've been rambling and talking for a while, Chris, but I was trying to give a good breakdown for everyone. What do you think about all this?
1: Uh, I. Kenta right away is really interesting to me because I think he does fit into a little bit of what I assume that they're going to do in all elite wrestling, which is do a a more Americanized version of what they were already doing in New Japan, uh, especially with the way they talk about wins and losses mattering. And I think he would work really well with a lot of those guys just size wise. Uh, So I, I think that's a good fit for Kenta. If I was him, I'd kind of want out too. They really didn't utilize him very well after he came back from his injury in NXT, and then they immediately threw him to 205 Live. I think he is a pretty damn good wrestler uh, all around and and can be utilized a lot better. I mean, there was a match he had for the Ring of Honor Championship with Nigel McGuinness and Davey Richards, I believe, I want to say. No, maybe it was just Nigel McGuinness. It was fucking incredible. And, and I've seen several matches like that with him, even going back to some matches he had against Taylor Black, who is or Tyler Black, who is now obviously Seth Rollins. And, I, you know, they really I don't think they really gave him a fair shake, and I don't know if it was because he was injured in NXT or what happened with that, but hey, I'm interested to see him go somewhere else. With Dean Ambrose, um, my biggest worry with him is that they might try to contract hold him similar to what they did with Daniel Bryan, where they're like, well, you were injured for this whole time, and it's kind of written into your contract that, like, you know, it's two years for two years, and for six months we paid for you to be injured. I'm hoping they don't do that with him. Um, I could really see him going I'm pretty somewhere pretty like
0: sure I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard, though, unless uh, they said opposite on the Observer, that they did grant him the release. So I think they are letting him go.
1: Yeah, but I mean, they've granted releases before and then Dick's wrestlers. They can still hold a
0: person? Back. Oh, I didn't Yeah, know. they can, I
1: mean, just, you're granting the release, but it's a 90-day non-compete. But if they tack on, I mean, they did that to uh, Pac. Neville? Yeah, they. I mean, they basically did that to Neville um, and, a, and a couple of other wrestlers, if I'm not mistaken. But, that, I mean, that's been the big talking perspective, even on The Observer, is that, you know, are they going to try to hold these guys? The fact that they're putting it on their website, I think that they're—they're they're not. I think they know that more of this is coming, and what they don't want is for these guys to get together and start a lawsuit. So I'm hoping that they just let them go. Um, I mean, they—they they tried to do this with Brock Lesnar as well. Brock Lesnar being the big name, when he left, uh, it was written into his non-compete clause that he could, yeah, he could try out for the NFL, but he shouldn't go wrestle. And then he went and fucking wrestled anyways. And then they tried to sue him, and then the lawsuit didn't go anywhere. So looking at that, I mean, I would assume all these guys are going to be, at least after 90 days, be somewhere. And with Dean Ambrose, I could see Impact more than All Elite Wrestling. Hideo Itama, I could see him in either New Japan or um, All Elite Wrestling. And then I guess probably as a third option, I mean – You know, he has relations in Ring of Honor. I think he could probably fall back there, but I just don't see him going there. I think it would either him be going back to All Japan or New Japan or, um, you know, trying his hand at All Elite Wrestling under some kind of contract.
0: Yeah, if I'm thinking about that, Dean Dean and, you know, if if Sammy and, and, and they reach out to him, Him and Impact and MLW, they do a lot of his style. They let him go completely apeshit. It's closer to him, I think, in most locations they film at outside of Orlando uh, because they do a lot of stuff on the West Coast and in Canada, and he lives in Nevada. Well, it's not like Canada's – you know what I'm saying. Anyways, um, so Dean and Impact could definitely help out a lot. I could see him also going to AEW. Um, Heido Itami, I'd love to see him in New Japan because he'll get – Probably, I mean, honestly, besides Ring of Honor, uh, a lot more publicity over here and a lot a lot of eyes will look at him. And I think there's some great matchups um, against him and Naito, against him and um, Tanahashi, against him and a lot of different people. Man, I wish Shibata was still wrestling. They would have had a fucking banger. They've always reminded me of each other. Anyways, but yeah, there's a lot of options over there. I could see him going back to Pro Wrestling NOAH. Um, and, and doing stuff with them. I believe he, that was one of the main ones that he was a part of for a long time. And uh, if they does New, New Japan, they have a partnership with Ring of Honor still, at least, uh, that we know of. Uh, I don't know if it's going to change in the future, basically. All Japan still there, obviously, not as publicized as New Japan, but there's a lot for that. Uh, the Kanellises, if they leave, I think they're going back to Ring of Honor. I think that Mike Canellis is going to rejoin the kingdom, and that was a a place that they liked being at, and it looks like they're giving a lot more money to contracts over there from Sinclair. Dolph Ziggler, I'm not 100% sure. If that was another thing where they just asked him to do it and he's got a couple more things worked out, but he is actually leaving, I think he's a good get for Impact. I think he's a good get for AEW because he's good in the ring hand, and if they actually do something with him and not let him just play like the – I don't like anyone because you all suck, or whatever the fuck character they've been giving him for a long time. He could actually have some good matches with a, with a good amount of people. Um, and I think that's it. Revival, obviously, AEW would be the, thing, the place I would think that they would go to, especially the interaction between them and the Bucks um, and knowing that they're friends with them. So, yeah, it is crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, small just small.
1: Just to follow up, because uh, I didn't mention revival. Uh, revival, I, I agree with you 100. percent I think all elite wrestling makes the most sense, simply because they've already they have a feud already pre-built uh, with the Young Bucks, and I think most of it is. Joey and they playing. want to build a
0: really strong tag division. That's 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 one of you know the Jackson brothers' main thing is is having the best tag division. So, you know, if they if they like their interaction with the revival, that's a team that's known. I, that's why I think they're going to scoop up the Briscoes. They already have SoCal. They're going to get a lot of the big tag teams, maybe LAX eventually, um, the Lucha yeah. Brothers maybe, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. If they really go that route, they'd have a tag team that, that really, really stand out for sure. Um, Maria and Mike Kanellis, it seems like they put that out there and then they immediately gave her a big spot in the Royal Rumble and it sucked and the fans hated it. So, after that, I don't know that the WWE really is going to give much of a shit. I mean, we'll talk about the Rumble later, but I, I just don't see that that, that their characters aren't going to work in WWE. And they're never going to get the screen time that they want. And obviously, they feel slighted. So, I think they both should part ways. I agree with you. I, I feel like that they make more sense in Ring of Honor. And uh I think that's it. I mean the only other one I would name, it's kind of outside of WWE, and I don't know if you're gonna go into it on a news topic, but Kishida did have his farewell match in New Japan with Tanahashi. It was a really that's... good match. And uh Oh, they already had the match? I, yeah, the match just the match is happened. He had his farewell match. Oh, Say goodbye damn. to the crowd. And he is one that I would really love to see in all elite wrestling. I want to see an American destination for Japanese wrestlers that aren't that isn't WWE, where maybe they can use them a little better because they're going to have Kenny there and and uh, the young bucks who worked in New Japan for so long. That I'm hoping that we can get some of that international flavor in an American branded wrestling company where it doesn't seeming like they're an afterthought. Like the way I feel about Atami and Nakamura, uh, even Tozawa to some extent is they they kind of seem like an afterthought a lot, especially here recently.
0: No, I agree. Even Oscar for a while, too. I mean, especially after what she did in NXT. I'm glad they gave her the title, finally, but it was like, really? And I'm scared, honestly, for Carrie Zane and um, Io Shirai, just because there's a lot of competition, and it seems like, I mean, one thing, and I, I, I think Hayota Tommy, I've heard of him a bunch. He can definitely speak English, but especially with those assholes that say what and shit, which pissed me off. I don't think it has anything to do with it, but that doesn't help the wrestler themselves, the performer. But, you know, with an accent, a heavy accent, it can, it can just cause problems. And I really just hope that that's not part of the mindset of why it's hard for for these guys to get over. Cause Shinsuke to me got over without doing the stuff that he was doing wrestling wise in new Japan, but with his personality and with, and it's I I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, it they should have valets or if they shouldn't, um, but whenever they do do the promos, it just it, it's kind of exposed, and it seems like a lack of interest is put in by the WWE when they can't get over that way. Is that is that a weird thing for me to think?
1: No, I mean, I don't think it's weird at all. I mean, I think New Japan treats it very differently. Uh, like, in comparison, New Japan has had yeah. gaijin wrestlers forever, and they still cut promos in English. Yep. And the fans just have a more respect. I mean, a lot of it's just having respect for the performer. But I mean, even, you know, even when they gave Nakamura a gimmick where he told people he didn't speak English, they just forgot about it like two months later. (laughs) So it's more just that. It's like that they, uh, the Japanese wrestlers, even the big performers that they have signed, they don't do enough with and they just kind of get thrown by the wayside. And hopefully all elite wrestling is different. I think it will be considering, I think the respect that a lot of, Knowing that a lot of these New Japan stars will have a little bit of a following uh, from Japan, especially if they land Kenny Omega, I'm hoping that that'll turn around and you will see guys like Ishida and Hideo Otama and uh, maybe even a working relationship with All Japan or New Japan.
0: Yeah, and I hope to see that too. Um, It should be interesting, though, to see some of these guys show up in different places. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Unfortunate they're leaving WWE, but they're not going to be forgotten when they leave. That's for sure. All right. Like I said, I got two more smaller items. Um, I got some good news and some bad news, Chris. I'm going to give them both to you. Roman Reigns. uh, It was confirmed by WWE and Dwayne The Rock Johnson that he would be joining his cousin, Dwayne, in the Fast and Furious sequel, Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, he plays, I I believe he's actually playing his brother within that movie and, uh, in the pictures, uh, that they post, you know, he was, he looked in great shape. He's obviously, um, he seems like he's, he's coming on treatment very well from the pictures and it's awesome that his cousin got him something to do in the meantime. And it looks like they're doing, um, some type of Samoan, um, some, uh, dance basically within there. Um, basically the ones that you wouldn't want to see the Maui warriors running out and doing to you. If you ended up on one of the Pacific islands back in the 1500s and 1600s and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. I'm very excited about that. I'm happy that Romans, you know, he looks healthy and, um, I'm hoping he's, he's beating his cancer, cancer basically. It's awful that he has leukemia and I'd like to see him back in WWE. Um, Unfortunately, Amber Moon won't be back in WWE. She's out for a while. She, got, uh, she re-injured her elbow uh, in the Royal Rumble, and she has to get surgery. So she was in an interview, and she said she will be out uh, for quite some time uh, for the surgery. They didn't give an exact number, but that usually, I'm going to assume, means six months or more. Um, or they would probably say something. Uh, but we'll probably find more information on that. Chris, what do you think about Roman Reigns joining... Um, Hobbs and Shaw, and uh, unfortunately, Ember Moon now having to take some time off because she was injured.
1: Well, see, I'm a little torn. I think it's really cool that he's doing a movie, and I'm interested in seeing it, but I'm also torn because it's split off of the Fast and the Furious franchise about the Rock's character. Yeah, I'm not saying I care
0: about
1: the movie. Yeah, it's like a (laughs) prequel to Fast and the Furious and how he became a cop that then turned into part of the family in the Fast and the Furious storyline, but <laughs> outside of that, I think it's cool. I mean, it's cool to see those two do that. It is a it, 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 to me, it, it's you know neat. I'm glad to see that Roman Reigns seems like he's doing well, and um, hopefully, we'll see him back in the ring soon. As far as Ember Moon goes, sucks about her injury. Luckily, it didn't come while she was getting a huge push. Uh, I think if Ronda does leave, and Ember comes back from injury. She'd be someone that you could point to and go, okay, that could be a future champion. We have, you could even turn her heel if you wanted to. There's a lot of stuff that you could do with her that could be pretty awesome because she plays such a mysterious character and they haven't really built her up on main yet. I, I feel like there's a lot of ways that you could go with her. And I, I know it sucks to say, like, I'm not glad that Ember Moon got injured, but they haven't done anything with her. And to take her out, away from what's currently going on, in the women's division with how big this WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble was and and the the run Becky's on and what inevitably is going to lead up to either a three-way match. That's going to overshadow the rest of the female wrestlers. It might not be bad for her to take a little time off, get healed up and come back better than ever. Hopefully, you know, she has a, she's back by SummerSlam and we get to see a huge, you know, Ember Moon moment because I think they haven't utilized her properly.
0: Absolutely. That's a very good point. I mean, silver lining is the fact that when she does come back, the women's division is hot. It's on the rise. It's going to probably be like this for a while, and maybe there'll be more of an opening for her to be able to do something in. I definitely can agree with that. And, um, yeah, after um, Roman is going to play in Aquaman 2 as Jason Momoa's Aquaman's hidden brother um, called... Um, Roman Fish Man Alright, that was a really bad joke I'm sorry guys um, Alright, let's move on And talk about NXT TakeOver And the Royal Rumble Alright I was really Happy with NXT TakeOver Thought it was an awesome card Heard some negative responses From some people out there And I'm just like It's a good TakeOver It's just you know, it wasn't as good as the past ones. It's like that's—I mean, that's a fair assessment, I guess. But just stick it up your ass. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, I had a really good time watching the whole entire thing. I thought all the matches were awesome. I loved the the reveal of the return of DIY with their championship belts. I thought it was great. It's good storytelling. I don't—you know—I'm terrified for any of these guys to leave. Even Velveteen Dream and Alistair Black. It's scary. Um, you know, when they leave. So if they have a really good storyline that they've been developing for a long time period, it's nice to see that flush itself out instead of just getting flushed down the fucking toilet, like it does a lot on the main product. So yeah, this was fun. This was great. But I do feel after mania, you're going to see a lot of these guys come up on the card where they have no room for them right now. So who knows? Maybe they'll start treating NXT like an actual brand instead of like a stepping stone because of how good these pay-per-views are constantly. So we had the War Raiders go against uh, the Undisputed Era for the titles. Uh, This match was extremely hard-hitting. I mean, it was O'Reilly and um, Roderick Strong. So right then and there, it's like, talk about great... Uh, working punches, especially with Roderick Strong. He looks like he's just nailing the shit out of people. And then the War Raiders are just super tough, um, you know, kind of – I well, more than the Ascension, at least, kind of like a modern uh, LOD almost. There's dominating these Vikings. They're scary. They're monstrous. The funny thing about it, Chris, is that Roe is, seems, at least, from what the things that he does, is is the stronger of the two – And Hanson is the more agile of the two, doing cartwheels and fucking that dive that he did to the outside that he completely ate shit. Like it was a really fun tag match. And that's what NXT does. Um, They're up there for me uh, with uh, ring of honor and uh, whatchamacallit, uh, New Japan, when it comes to just tags matches, just having good ones um, that I think WWE, uh, the main product lacks and just a fun story, them beating the crap out of each other they got out of each other's finishers like a million times. Um, and uh, the War Raiders won. They are the new NXT Tag Team Champions, and it looks like that, um, who knows, but uh, the Undisputed Era might be losing a little bit of their gold. Uh, maybe they're getting pushed up to the main product as a group. I would hope that they wouldn't try to just individualize them, but uh, who knows? Maybe they'll get them back. I could see the War Raiders having them for a while. What did you think about this match, and what do you think about the new champions?
1: I think the War Raiders are the right people to put the belts on. I do think that you're, you're getting into the point where they're looking at the Undisputed Era, and they're saying, we should not these guys. And hopefully, before they do that, they work with DIY in some form and format, but uh, specifically some sort of feud between the two groups with you know Gargano and Champa both having gold at the end of this night, I think that would make a lot of sense with them just being gold-hungry. I think there's a lot of good matches you could get out of that from the individual members that are in DIY as opposed to tag. You don't necessarily have to just do tag team stuff, but you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that you could, could do there. Match itself I thought was really, really good. Uh, if I was nitpicking it, I would say they kind of just threw tag team rules out the window midway through this fucking match. Like It came off as more of a tornado tag match, uh, Yeah. Which they could have easily just called it a tornado tag and, and did the same match and it would have made more sense. Outside of that, like, all the work inside the ring was really great. Um, I don't know. I thought I thought it was a good match. It, it, it ran the proper amount of time. It, there wasn't really anything that I can nitpick about it too much. It was just a very enjoyable opener. It's cool to see new tag team champions, and it's exciting to see where they're going with Undisputed Air. I don't think that they're just going to go directly up I do think that there'll be a, a stopgap there with Gargano and, and Ciampa.
0: Um, but, yeah, all, all exciting stuff. I Like I said, I, I did enjoy the match a lot. Do you think uh, – I mean, I just don't want to forget about asking this at the end of it, but at the end of, of uh, NXT TakeOver, um, Brooklyn, basically, uh, for WrestleMania weekend, does DIY have all the belts? I think it's
1: – I mean – I think the answer to that question is who's getting pulled up, right? Or if they're pulling yeah. up Gargano and Ciampa, then yes. If they're pulling no. up – Or you're talking about if they're pulling up DIY? Well,
0: no, no, no. Oh, are you saying if Maybe. they individualize them basically or if they put them up together? I'm just saying, like, do you think that they will have as a unit the tag belts, the champion, and the North American, or do you think they're going to lose everything and go up uh, after that takeover? I think it's more likely that one of the two of them lose a
1: belt and go up. Probably more so Gargana than Champa. I think
0: they're going to leave Champa there for a little bit until they can build up someone to face him. Uh, I like that. Uh, uh, hopefully they remember but, to put Tommaso Ciampa on the next or, uh, WWE 2K game. Fucking idiots.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I could I could definitely see your scenario as well, where DIY with all. Oh, but the problem with that is. How do you defend all of the titles, um, and and that becomes an issue in itself. Unless they, unless someone else joins the fold with them, which is a possibility. Maybe you see the breakdown of uh, maybe there's someone they don't like in Undisputed Era as as much as the others, and you see a breakdown between Undisputed Era and then end up with two factions versus each other, and then that that plays out a little differently. But that I mean, those are all. That's kind of we're just kind of at this point we're just speculating. Spitballing. I, I think I think more realistically, you see the Undisputed Era face those two, um, whether it be through a, a series of singles matches or leading up to a tag match or, or something of that nature, um, and then Undisputed Era ends up going up after losing. I don't think that they necessarily need the belts at this point. I think they're over enough, and the fact that they're a faction, they could go up to the main card and do make some noise, specifically somewhere like um, SmackDown. Uh, I don't know what the hell they would do with them on Raw, but moving them to SmackDown was the thing. I think this is a, another reason why these releases are kind of being announced and they're okay with moving along. It's because they've done such a good job with building the NXT roster uh, that moving these guys up to the main brand may not be that big of a deal, especially if you're losing Ziggler, you're losing Ambrose, you're losing uh, Hideo Itama, you're losing, you know, a, a tag, or you're losing Maria, maybe, possibly. You, I assume that there's going to be others that follow suit, and when that happens, now you just had a bunch of other roster spots open. And that becomes a kind of a different conversation. Yeah, as far as that's you know, a good your point. Be, it it it's just going to be weird to see because they do have a lot of talented guys that are kind of just
0: stuck facing each other on NXT right now. Yeah, I'm not saying, it, you know, it would last long if they did it, but it would be a cool stunt that that actually happens. But then it's got to be a point where Gargano's got, if they keep them there for like another six months to a year, they've got to have Gargano, Champa Champa. you know? Either way, we'll get more to that match in a second. Let's go over the next match. Matt Riddle versus Cassius Ono. Now, Cassius Ono, a.k.a. Chris Hero, great wrestler, from uh, Ring of Honor and just obviously PWG, non-WWE, before he came to NXT. Uh, they didn't do anything with him. He left. He came back. I think he, I believe he got hurt for like a little while. Came back again and uh, hasn't really done much. They did a heel turn, and he vowed to kind of make the new guys, uh, you know, William Regal's toys uh, make their life a living hell. Uh, So him and Matt Riddle had their interaction um, at a takeover. I think the last takeover, actually. Matt beat him extremely quickly with one knee, I believe. Um, Then they had another follow-up match. Um, Castillo Sono, you know, trying to, like, make up and be a good sportsman at the end of it. Turning on Matt Riddle, beating the crap out of him. Then he beat Keith Lee. Enter this match between the two. Hard-hitting match. Um, Crazy ending with Matt Riddle, who my Lord talk about intensity in the ring. You know, I'm glad that he's legitimate, but he has a, that, that ultimate warrior Goldberg, that type of intensity in him. Uh, when he, he looks pissed basically. And beforehand he comes off as such a, well, such a bro. Um, but yeah, at the end of it, he mounted, uh, Cassie Sonos back and obliterated him with a series of forearms to the head and neck until he tapped out. So he didn't even tap out to a submission. Um, I know Cassie Soto. I don't know if he's becoming a trainer. I, well, I, I know that he is a trainer, but he's not full-time. I don't know if he's making that transition, if they're going to put him on the main product, which I'd love to see him uh, do that. But I don't know if that's in the cards. Uh, it looks like he's doing a thing that a lot of older wrestlers do where they're trying to put the, the, uh, the young boys over, even though I think he's still in his 30s. But um, I don't know. Chris, how did you feel about this match? And what do you think about the future of Cassie Soto? I think the biggest thing
1: with this match is the fact that Cassius Sono Chris Hero just has zero connection with the crowd. They haven't done a good job building him. I don't think anyone believed that he was going to win this match. Um, and I think it hurt the match overall. Uh, I like the elbow submission. I think that was kind of cool. Beating someone into submission is not something they've done a lot in either NXT or WWE. So that was kind of a neat, um, neat thing. I agree with you with, uh, Matt's uh, Matt Riddle's intensity and in, in the way he looks, he does have a little bit of a vibe where he almost snaps like, like Hulk Hogan or ultimate, uh, not necessarily hulking up, just differently. Um, and it kind of works. Like it, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, the biggest thing I got out of this is it, I don't see them doing anything with Chris hero. So if he's going to step back and be a trainer, that's cool. Um, but I, I mean, I also think there's a lot of room for him out on the, I don't want to say indie scene, but on different wrestling companies. Um, Him going back to his home in Ring of Honor for the right amount of money, I think, would be good for both Ring of Honor and for Chris Hero. He can return back, finish his career in Ring of Honor, and kind of get the notoriety that he had previously. He is just, to me, like the NXT crowd just does, I don't know. I mean, a lot of it's the way that he's been presented, but they just did not seem into this match. In the way they were to the rest of the matches on the card, and then also just like they've been kind of sour on Chris Hero for a while, which I, I feel for him because I think he was really great when he was in Ring of Honor. Um, and his little run in 2016 when he was uh, in NXT and, and Ring of Honor leading into when he signed in NXT was pretty good, but it's just it's weird to see where he's at now. And uh, yeah, who the hell knows?
0: I, I don't really know what they're. Yeah, completely agree. All
1: right, well,
0: uh, the next match was for the NXT North American Championship match. For me, this was match of the night. We had Ricochet going against Johnny Gargano. Look, I would love to pretend that, you know, I even watched Chris, a little bit before we even went on air, I watched a highlight reel of this. I still can't. They did so much in this match, I can't remember exact things from it. But it was an incredible... At like, they, they literally threw each uh, everything but the kitchen sink at each other. And finally, you know, ricochet countered Gargano, slamming him to the mat, implying his own Gargano escaped. The heel managed to escape to the sanctuary of the ropes. Back on the floor, Gargano delivered a brain buster on the concrete. After a year of frustration and disappointment, Gargano delivered the springboard DDT and scored the win and title. He did the things that Tommaso Ciampa did to him, and he tried the whole match not to do that. But he he gave in and did he, he, he did some dirty stuff, man, to our boy Ricochet and got that title. This is an awesome match, man. What do you think? I
1: thought it was a really – I don't want to go and say it's an awesome match. I've, I've seen these guys work before. It was better than the other contests that they've had together. Um the beginning of the match I didn't really like as much. It almost felt it, it got into that that feeling, uh, uh, sim- similar to what Ricochet was doing in New Japan with uh, I believe it was Zack Sabre Jr., where it almost comes off like a dance routine more than a wrestling match. I think it, the second half picked up and uh, you see some hard you know some hard hitting moves and uh, close kickouts and, and things of that nature. But I, I wasn't as high on this match as other people were my like I said I've seen them work against each other other times and I don't know if it's just chemistry or what but for whatever reason this match just didn't do it for me in the way it did for I guess other people but um, they're both incredible I just don't know that they work that well together or at least in my opinion
0: fair enough fair enough I do think it was a little bit rough at first but uh, those guys are lightning quick um all right, so the next match that we had, okay, hold on one second, just gotta. Oh yeah, this was the women's championship match. Bianca Belair versus Shayna Baszler. I thought this is probably I don't know how you felt about this, but I really like Bianca Belair. I think she's strong, she's tough. I like her 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 gimmick, the hair thing. I don't know how that that's not illegal. Uh she actually did have a laceration Shayna when uh Bianca slashed her with it, but I think this is one of Shayna's best matches I've seen her in. And I'm not saying that she hasn't had good matches in the past, but, you know, I they were able to stack up, and it kind of sucked at first because they, it looked like they were going to make it a squash match against Bianca. Uh, but then she came back, and at the end, it just, um, you know, it, it took, like, uh, whatchamacallit, to Justin Duke and um, Marina Shafir to try to interfere. She annihilated – well, she basically just, you know, avoided them and got them out of it. But uh, she tried a 450 splash, but basil got her in the choke, and that was it. And they did a thing that I – we'll get to this. What I, I wish that they would have done at least a little bit with Becky against Oscar, where she was strong about it. She tried so hard, and then she kept on fading. And finally, instead of giving out, she passed out. It was after interference, after a ref bump where she almost beat Shayna, and she got like a nine count. So, Miss Undefeated, the EST of NXT, was defeated by Shayna Baszler. Very surprised about this. This is one of the matches, um, I thought Bianca was going to get the title, because I thought they were going to do something with Shayna soon, but I guess they're keeping her in Mania. The two-time Women's Champion uh, is still doing her work within NXT. What did you think about this match, Chris?
1: I actually enjoyed this match a lot. I thought the storytelling inside of the match itself was really great. Um, you know, Shayna, to me, was absolutely just de- demolishing uh, Bianca to begin with. And he had the, the spot where she hit, you know, Shayna with a hair whip and kind of sliced her stomach open, like cut her stomach, and then, you know, the interference spot. And the fact that Bianca just would not give up uh, was great. And, I'm, you know, it's almost like that they wasted that spot when it should have went to Becky. But Becky had such a big moment in the Rumble, I don't think that anyone will even remember Besides us, I, I you know, or people that are just really into watching the product in the way that we do, people are going to remember that she won that Royal rumble, not that she lost that championship match. Um, so maybe that's why they didn't do the spot is because they had just done it. And also the comparisons to Stone Cold, maybe they didn't want really to go that route where it's, you know, Austin and Brett, the double turn kind of thing. Uh, but as far as this match goes, I thought it was a really great storytelling. I liked the four fifty spot, but getting caught in the chokehold, um, Finish was great, and uh, you know there were some moments that weren't completely fluid, but uh, outside of that, like it was a really good match. I thought they told a good story, and uh, I guess Basler's going to be there for a little bit longer. It's going to be interesting to see with what they do with the championship there and who they build up for the next number one contender.
0: Shayna Baszler, by the way, is terrifying, especially when she comes out and does those trap choke submissions she's done a couple times she did a Carrie Zane she reminds me of a female Samoa Joe her intensity obviously the promos definitely a lot different Samoa Joe is one of the best promos period in professional wrestling I think but the intensity the scariness being legitimate and just you know Shane is going to kill you you know Joe's going to kill you Taz is going to kill you they're going to all kill you that's what's going to happen I'm going to stop saying that now alright <laughs> let's move on to the last match, NXT championship match, Alistair Black versus Tommaso Ciampa. This is just pretty much to me, very close. Great. This this definitely, I think had better storytelling than, than Gargano and, um, and Ricochet. But I think that Gargano and Ricochet, I, maybe I was attracted to the fact that they did a lot of different stuff, if you will. But when it came down to this, I mean, just awesome. Tommaso Ciampa working on, on Aleister Black's uh, knee. So he, it takes him away from being able to do his finishing move. And he worked on it the whole entire time. And, uh, you know, this was just, this was a brutal match. I mean, they made Alistair look as, as good as he could, um, with kicking out of everything. I mean, he kicked out of the fairy tale ending, I think about three times, if I'm not incorrect, maybe four, I think on the fourth one, he finally gave in, but, Just back and forth and just awesome stuff. Great fucking match. I love Aleister Black. I love Tommaso Ciampa. And then the ending. Tommaso Ciampa goes to the ramp. Uh, Johnny Gargano meets him with the North American title. They hold their titles. And someone did a photo-to-photo shot of a couple years ago with them doing the same exact thing with the tag titles when they won them. So very cool. The story progresses. It's getting very much layered. And uh, afterwards, uh, which was displayed on WWE, uh, their their website and everything, was a video of, you know, people confronting them. Velveteen Dream, who was sitting in the audience with two ladies, came out and said that basically he deserved a shot. Um, You know, and then we had uh, Ricochet come out, you know, confronting Johnny about some of the shit that he pulled. Um, And then Aleister Black lifted his way up, and they ended up going in a giant brawl that – the heels left, they got it broken up. Then the heels attacked them in the back. Oh, Adam Cole also came out. So now we find out that Sha- from Shawn Michaels on uh, the pre-show of Royal Rumble that they're bringing back Halftime Heat, the only thing that I will be watching that participates with the Super Bowl because um, I'll watch the trailers <laughs> beforehand when they release them. Um, but fucking awesome that when Maroon 5 is playing, you could go and watch on you know, an exclusive of Halftime Heat on the network and see Adam Cole and Tommaso uh, Ciampa and Johnny Gargano versus Ricochet, Alistair Black, and Velveteen Dream um, in a tag match with the normal crew, I think Mauro Inalo, McGuinness, McGuinness, uh, Percy, and joining them will be Shawn Michaels. Uh, so that's awesome. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that match. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, apparently afterwards people took pictures. Um, After, it it looks like the transitioning people are Aleister Black, Ricochet, and Velveteen Dream because they all kind of said goodbye at the end of it. So this might be their last run until they're up. Kind of crazy that Ricochet is going up, but then again, he is, I mean, I I think he's fine, you know. I mean, his mic work could be a little bit better, but my Lord, when they get him in the ring and put him on SmackDown, please go to fucking SmackDown, um, he's going to wow people, especially when it goes to Fox. Uh, Aleister Black and Velveteen Dream, I think, are ready, depending. I think they could even, especially Velveteen Dream, do really well on Raw. Um, wondering still what's going to happen with the members of DIY and Undisputed Era and Pete Dunn, who was in the Royal Rumble, and we'll talk about that. But, Chris, I know I threw a lot at you like I usually do. What did you think about this match? What did you think about what happened afterwards? What do you think about halftime heat? And what's going on with the three guys saying – their goodbyes to the audience uh, post-show at TakeOver.
1: So I, I'll start off by just saying I didn't, I didn't dislike the, uh again, a ricochet match. I thought it was fine. So I just want to get that out before I get a lot of heat later. Um, what I will say is this was my favorite match of the card. I, I thought it was really well done. Um, Ciampa working the leg the entire time. While it sometimes can get a bit tedious Uh, when you have a match kind of like this, I thought it actually worked really, really really well because of the way they built up Alistair Black, because he was coming back off an injury. Um, He sold really well. And it, you know, the ending of the match really, it it worked out. It made sense. Um, I really, really enjoyed this match. I thought it was probably my favorite Alistair Black match going back. uh, Like I said, in the past, I'm not the biggest Alistair Black fan. I get it. I think he is a really good wrestler. Um, he just hadn't had that match that really grabbed me yet. I think this might have been that match and Champa is just so good with his title reign that I hope he never leaves, but <laughs> obviously he has to go up at some point, but, uh, I, I really enjoyed the pay-per-view overall. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think that it, they, they, they made it pretty clear that those three are the next up where they land is more of the question at this point. I do think DIY and, and undisputed error are going to be cracking heads for a little bit. Where they move on up. Uh, I think it would be really cool to see this year at SummerSlam with some of the talent that are probably going to be left behind for them to come up with their own team. So you have SmackDown versus Raw versus NXT. And I think if you have those guys there, even if they don't get along, you can build that into the story of the match and then you can start introducing them to the main roster. And I think that is a good way to do it because right now they, you know, they've already brought up three people Um d c three wasn't even in the rumble uh Lacey Evans was pushed way too early in the rumble, which we'll talk about later and then i they had the one promo with alexa bliss with uh god I can't think of his name right now um, but it was the Paul Heyman spot with the member of uh with a heavy machinery, and i for whatever reason his name's escaping me, so I apologize but they they haven't done anything with them yet. And they're bringing through more people up, which kind of scares me. So hopefully, they're not just immediately going to throw DIY and uh, Undisputed Era up there at the same time until they can kind of hash some of this out with what they're bringing up. But yeah, I really enjoyed the pay per view, and, and this was my favorite match.
0: Yeah, a great match. Um, just a great NXT takeover. Had a lot of fun with it. And you know what? One thing that I noted uh, from a lot of people that review these pay-per-views, I'm not worried where they go because I'm enjoying them where they are, and I'm not going to compare of like the potential based on their body size of where they could possibly go and where Vince is going to book them. Because as of right now, they're in NXT, and I like NXT better than the fucking main product, and I know a lot of wrestling fans do. So, that's how I feel about that. Had to mention that before we move on. Let's move on to the Royal Rumble, another event in Kay. which I had a lot of fun with.
1: I also had fun with this rubble. um I was going uh, because I just saw a match on this card that reminded me of something terrible, but we'll keep going oh that that's not good
0: all right, let's find it out as soon as I, all right, so I'll just do all the pre card matches and just throw them at you together. One of them was really, really good. I will say that um. Bobby Roode and Chad Gable went against Scott Dawson and Razor. I told you guys about that earlier. They made a makeshift match. For some reason, they didn't put Dash Wilder in there, even though he's completely healthy. Didn't make a lot of sense. I know Akam is gone for right now, for the foreseeable future. But uh, Drake Maverick put this together in the pre-show. I didn't really understand why. Bobby Roode and Chad Gable were going against them and not giving them a title shot, but the chance to win and then both teams would get a title shot even though Akum is injured, whatever. Root and Gable won, so it doesn't really even matter. Jose Nakamura uh, defeated Rusev, got back the U.S. belt. That was dropped very freaking quickly. We'll get into that. Rusev's now a bad guy. They didn't really care about the whole Rusev thing. It kind of died out because of them, and now it's whatever. Just make him, make him an evil Russian. Anyways, Lana would get hurt within this match, and that would cause stuff down the road to... Actually, pretty damn good booking uh, to be put in place, basically. Um, and then the last thing that we had, we had Buddy Murphy, Akira Tozawa, uh, Heido Atami, and Kalisa go against each other. Buddy would retain his Cruiserweight Championship within this match, but damn, was this a good four-way match. Just beating the crap out of each other. There is one spot in, in particular that I remember where Heido Tommy they look like they were—that Buddy Murphy had... Um, uh, Kalisto on his shoulders and Hayato Atami looked like he was about to do the doomsday device and Tazawa came running did a um, topa suicida through Atami's legs nailing both Kalisto and uh, what him call Buddy Murphy just stuff like that just very amazing things Buddy Murphy has one of the best knees in the industry up there with well I think Kenny has the best obviously but he's up there let's just put it that way I love his running knees but great match Chris, what do you think about these three matches? Or specifically, who cares about the other two? What do you think about the Cruiserweight Championship match?
1: All right, so we'll start with match number one. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. I was driving to my friend's house to watch the Royal Rumble, so I have not watched that match. I have absolutely no opinion on it. But uh, just, just from don't a storyline perspective, you have a fucking dumb manager if, he, if you win the match and he books another team in the match with you for a tag team championship. <laughs> like... I would fire that manager because now your team has – you have way more to worry about because if you – in WWE three-way, as we know, the champion doesn't have to get pinned. It doesn't matter who gets pinned. Um, So you're basically entrusting that you – and then beat them to death, and then you'll also beat the other team. So just from a, like, manager booking standpoint, like it made Drake Maverick look like the biggest idiot of all time. Because if, if I remember right, he basically said, and correct me if I'm wrong, he was like, if we win this match, both The Revival and AOP will fight you for the title. Which, he's not the manager of both tag teams, so it didn't make any sense. Now, if they came out and he was the manager of The Revival as well, then okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you switch sides. That would, that would make sense, but I, I highly doubt that. Um, sounds like it didn't really matter because it didn't go anywhere. Um, Nakamura match. I did watch this. It was fine. It seemed like kind of like a SmackDown match, which pretty much was because it's pre-show. Um, weird. Title change with Rusev so fast. I don't know why they took the belt off Nakamura unless he was hurt or not feeling great or had a reason why he couldn't defend it, and then they put it on Rusev only to put it back on him. It was a little weird. It was fine. It wasn't anything to write home about. It, it is sad about Rusev. I thought he had some momentum going, and they pretty much killed it off. I. It's weird because it's almost like he's going to stick around because he's still doing the Total Divas thing with Lana, and I feel like if he leaves, he doesn't... That kind of throws her career up in the air a little bit more, and it would be very interesting to see Rusev go to another company and kind of just become a badass, um, as opposed to just like a heel Russian or um, Bulgarian, actually, I guess, at this point, because they changed it from Russian to Bulgarian. Um, but, yeah, I... It was a decent match, nothing right home about. The cruiserweight match, I agree with you. I thought the cruiserweight match was phenomenal. If I was nitpicking, it did almost, with some of the moves that they were doing, as cool and as crazy as they were, it almost was like that they were tag teaming. <laughs> like it almost looked like a tag team match at, at some point. Yeah. Uh, but it was still incredible to watch these guys work. I, every person in this match, all really great athletes. Buddy Murphy is continually, uh, continuously impressing me. Um, since he kind of came into the cruiserweight, and I think he's been carrying some matches. Um, I just don't see anyone taking off the title off of him anytime soon, unless they can build someone else up. So, good on them. I thought it was a good match, and it. Uh, oh, I don't want to say it was one of the best matches on the card, but it was, it was definitely the best match on the pre show. We'll start with there, and then as we go through these, we'll see if I change my mind. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, in doing so, let's start, you know, getting down to the nitty gritty. The actual first match is when I said, okay, I I think I'm right about this. I want to say that I'm pretty sure I got every single match right on this, Chris. I'm pretty proud of myself. Uh, Actually, never mind. Fuck. I just realized Nakamura, I did not think he was going to win. That was one that I got wrong. But I thought Buddy Murphy was going to retain, and I said if, if Becky goes on early, she's going on the rumble and she's losing to Oscar. And guess what happened? A pretty good match between Oscar and Becky Lynch, um, in which it ended with basically both ladies uh, getting each one submission on each other, and then Asuka getting the Oscar lock finally on Becky, torquing it, um, pushing her body in a different position, and finally making Becky Lynch tap. Um, we kind of already went into the whole thing. Uh, a lot of people, including myself, wishes that, you know, he, they didn't have to go to full extent, but she could have passed out from pain. But there is that visual that maybe they don't want her pinned so much as the female Steve Austin, which, I mean, already the bloody face thing. It's its already happening. But I get it to that perspective. But she did not lose it to Oscar. Asuka, Asuka looks strong as shit. She's still the, the SmackDown Women's Championship. And Becky left with her head down. Uh, but... That would be changed uh, later on that night. What did you think about this match, Chris?
1: I I thought the match itself was really great. I didn't have as much of a problem with the finish as I guess some other people did because I think Becky Lynch had a bigger moment by winning the Royal Rumble. Like I said, I think in retrospect, Becky probably is going to win at Mania and then go on a run. And then no one's going to remember that she lost the Oscar at this Royal Rumble unless they just go back and watch it. Remember that she won a Royal Rumble because that's what WWE is going to want people to remember. I think when we talked about this and I predicted this match, I actually said I, I think it would be awesome if they did the Rumble first. And Becky Lynch basically made a proclamation of "I want to win both titles because I'm the fucking man." And then she wins the Rumble. You start her in an early position. She wins the Rumble, so you have that big moment. But then she loses because she's so tired from the Rumble. I think that would have been a better way to play it than what they did. Um, but it still worked out well. I didn't dislike the booking. I, I think it was fine. I just would have would have batted it a little differently. Uh, the match itself I thought was really good. They did try to do a little too much. The swinging Fisherman suplex off the apron onto the floor looked like garbage and kind of took, you know, the illusion out of the match a little bit. And there was a couple of other spots uh, on the ropes that I thought were just a little overdone. Uh, you had the chokehold into the, you know, her, Oscar submission and her submission. It just looked sloppy. Um, but, you know, opening nerves, they're more so than anything else, I think. And, and the female stars are trying to do a lot more. They're, they're stepping the game up in a way that, we've never seen before. So I think we're going to see a little bit of this up to the outside of that. I thought the match was really, really good. I, I enjoyed it. Um, and I think the crowd enjoyed it until Becky lost, <laughs> which really sucks for the Miz and Shane McMahon coming out next. Yeah.
0: Oh man. It was, it's like you could, it was like you couldn't hear anything after she lost, but uh Hey, it creates a great moment for, for Royal Rumble later on. But, yeah, the next match was The Miz and Shane McMahon going against the champions, the Bar Cesar and Sheamus, in a tag team match. Um, this was whatever. I, I just – I didn't get invested in it. Some people are liking this. I thought their last uh, thing that they had was charming. I couldn't stand the, the one with their dad or with his dad, this last one. I thought it was just too much. Um But Shane McMahon did do a pretty damn sweet shooting star press at the end of it. I'll give him that. And they won. And The Miz and Shane are your tag team champions. But definitely think this is my least favorite match on the card. I mean, we'll get to the Daniel Bryan and AJ match. But, I mean, I understand the crowd wasn't into that match. But I was more into that match than this one. This tag match just, I didn't didn't give a fuck. Um, But, like I said... Kudos on Shane for being crazy. That's all I got to say. Um, what did you think about this match, Chris? All right. So right off the bat, I'm going to
1: say Shane McMahon's already – he, he's not the greatest wrestler. I do find him entertaining in the ring. And Miz is not known for his in-ring prowess. Um, so it was relying very heavily on the bar carrying this match. And the two matches beforehand – were really, really good matches. Um, and then Becky Lynch lost, which took the air out of the building. And now you're just relying on a gimmick, which is now Miz's dad's not disappointed in him anymore, or is finally proud of him, which ties into the show, Ms. Maurice, which I, I have been watching. Um, he basically talks about how his dad introduces him to everyone, and has all his friends talk to him. And, but it, his dad's never been like, I'm proud of you. So I guess they were trying to build that in the storyline. But whenever they do that, they need to show clips from the show or something. Because just assuming that all wrestling fans watch your reality TV shows is a broad assumption. Now, that being said, I do watch them. So I I knew what they were going for, but I still didn't give a fuck about it. Uh, Because it has absolutely nothing to do. And also, it's completely crazy to me that The Miz winning a tag team fucking title means more than him having the title at WrestleMania against John Cena and The Rock being there. So (laughs) it's completely fucking baffling to me. That wasn't that long ago. I mean, I guess it was seven or eight years ago, but I would say that would have been the moment you should have been proud, not him winning a title with Shane McMahon um, in what I would consider basically a gimmick match. That being said that, you know, the match, it was – Line. It was anything great. Shane McMahon did hit his shooting star press, which was impressive. Um, and whoever he landed on, he nailed them right in the nuts with his elbow because of the way he came down. So if you want to see something funny, I think it was I think it was fucking Sheamus that took the move.
0: The way Shane comes it's
1: down, he just pancake he fucking pancake Shane uh, Sheamus's nuts, I believe. It, it's awful, but um, yeah, I mean, like I said, they they I would have been fine with them just winning the titles. I don't know why they had to tie the dad into it. And, like, my assumption is now the dad is going to be involved in the storyline somehow, similar to what they did with Randy Orton's dad. And this is the kind of shit that just, no one gives a fuck. Unless unless the dad is an on-screen character for a couple months and builds, like, up some chemistry with the crowd, no one gives a single shit about Miz's dad. Um, except for the people that watch that reality TV show. Outside of that, no one gives a fuck. And I like the as, and I'm sure his dad's a really nice guy, and I'm not shitting on him, I'm just saying, like, no one cares. And, like, also, you should be way more prouder of your son for being the fucking champion of the world and facing John Cena at WrestleMania and coming out to hate me now by Nas. Like, that, that should be the moment where you were proud.
0: <laughs> yeah, no shit. Ugh, I agree completely with you on all that. All right, so next match was another women's match. It was for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Ronda Rousey defeated Sasha Banks, 13 minutes, 55 seconds. I thought this was a good match. I watched the match again um, not too long ago when I was going over some of these matches. I think it was on Sunday, actually. No, not on Sunday. What am I talking about? I think it was yesterday or Monday. I went over a couple of these ones that I liked. Um, and I, the reason why I like this match is, yeah, it was kind of sloppy, but, you know, watching Sasha do her breakdowns of her training for this beforehand, you know, with Amazing Red and also with uh, Drew Gulak, and she had Charlotte come out, and she had just different people. I, I think um, – who the heck do I, I see? Someone that was XMMA. I don't know. But basically she was learning to become a better grappler. This visually looked like a real fight and like a fight between people that, you know, especially like Ronda's style. And I thought it was an awesome match. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I didn't think Sasha was going to win at the end, and she finally tapped her out. Um, But the bank statement, there was a split second where I was like, okay, well, they're doing something different. They're obviously going to get something set up where Ronda does something, uh, you know, goes for Becky uh, outside of a title match. I didn't really understand, but good on them. Uh, You know, Sasha looks strong. I'm pretty sure her and Bayley are going to get those tag uh, title matches. I like the – I know they're trying to give Ronda the sportsmanship thing, which is fine, but um, you know, I like that Sasha flashed her the Four Horsemen symbol and also finding out that off camera Bailey flashed Becky the Four you know, the Four Horsemen hand symbol and she did it right back, but they didn't they didn't show that on um on Raw. But uh, you know, I enjoyed the match. Um, I don't know which one I like between the two women's match more. Uh, I think I'm leaning to this actually, um, but good match, Chris. What do you think?
1: I actually uh, lean towards this match a little bit more as well, and the reason being is simply because I I thought it was a better match. Um, the weirdest thing about this match to me, one, I didn't think that Becky. I, I thought you could have went around Becky having a title shot at this pay per view in general, and that kind of deterred me. Because um, I really did think she was... There was only one way they could get to what they wanted, which is her versus us, so she had to lose that match in some form or fashion, which I already wasn't stoked on. So I think I kind of went into the match a little sour. But um, there were sloppy spots in this match, but the, the suplex spots where I she was suplexing the shit out of Sasha Banks, and it looks incredible. And their back and forth towards the end of the match looks really great. Uh, I think the the part that deters me from really, you know, pumping this matchup was just some of the beginning. Uh, I'd I liked the, uh, her going for the the three amigos suplex, Ronda pulling off, you know, going for the Eddie Guerrero move, because they pushed that as being Sasha's influence for so long. And then Sasha blocking it. There were some fun spots, but you know, it was, it was, there were some sloppy spots as well. But then again, they didn't flat out botch a move on the outside of the ring. As much as people love Becky and uh, Asuka, if we're going to talk about sloppiness, like, they spun two opposite ways and just fell down.
0: So, yeah, I just... Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs>
1: just keep that in mind. Um, I, you know, because like, Ronda does get a lot of shit for being green um, in certain situations. But yeah, you could you could say there were sloppy spots in both matches, and I, I think this one, just booking-wise, made more sense. The only thing that threw me off is I guess Sasha is supposed to be a face, but everything she does comes off heelish, and it always has. And they just need to pull the fucking trigger on it. Because, like, no one gives a shit if she's tag-team partners with Bayley. At least no one I know.
0: No. I know. But apparently, it's it, When she was talking to Edge and Christian, her and Bailey really want to do that. And if they want to do that, that's great. But I completely agree. She's a much more suitable heel. Um, But, yeah, let's move on to the uh, Women's Royal Rumble. Chris, uh, so i got a breakdown of the list of the entrants coming out from 1 to 30 and then who they're eliminated by. Do you want me to list that? Um, Or how should we do this? I didn't really think about it.
1: Well, you want to just talk about the first two first? Because I got about a 15-minute rant on Lacey Evans. <laughs> She's
0: oh, my okay. new well, endo foray. Try, <laughs> try not to have it too long, man. Come on. We got a lot to talk about in a very short part. No, it sucks. I'm, All
1: right. I I guess just list it off as, uh, as entrants come in, and we'll try to do it quickly. I think that's the easiest way, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right, so Lacey Evans came out. She was the first one, followed by Natalia. Um, We had Mandy Bros come out, followed by Liv Morgan, who was eliminated very quickly by Natalia. Uh, Mickey James came out, then followed by Ember Moon. Ember Moon looked really strong in this whole entire thing. Um, She was there for a while, actually. I believe that she was there. Yeah, actually, 52 minutes and 23 seconds. This Royal Rumble was long. I don't think that there were two minute uh, marks between everyone. Is all I'm trying to say. Especially at the end, I think it just the timer went to hell or something. Um, we had Billy Kay uh, come out. She wasn't going to go in the ring. She was going to wait for Peyton to get there. Nikki Cross came out next, beat the shit out of Billy Kay, uh, and then Peyton came out after that. They would eliminate Nikki in the uh, thing. Uh, we had Tamina come out. Tamina dumped out, uh, Mickey James. Uh, then we had Zaya Lee, which I have not seen since uh, the Mae Young Women's Classic. She was pretty good on it. I'm just assuming I'm not you know, that Mako Satamura was doing something at the time, because uh, she went all the way to the finals, and I think she was a part of the first round, but still cool to see her. Uh, she would be eliminated by Charlotte later on. Sarah Logan came out. Talia also eliminated her. Uh, Then Charlotte came out. Then Kari Sane. There was a cool stare down by Kari Sane and Charlotte. Um, Charlotte was just annihilating people at some point. She was just ripping through people. Then Maria Kellis came out. Naomi came out. She uh, got eliminated by Mandy Rose after trying to basically pull a Kofi Kingston spot. Well, more of a John Morrison spot by doing the jumping and stuff like that to get back in the ring. Whatnot. She would be eliminated then by her rival, Mandy Rose, um, who was eliminated before that. And then they kind of had a scuffle that, you know, kept on coming. Um, then we had Candice LeRae come out, which was cool to see her. A lot of Candice wrestling chants from the audience. Um, then Alicia Fox came out. Uh, me, her and Maria started up a team until Maria jumped on her hat, I didn't really fucking understand what the hell was going on. Uh, Casey Kanazaru, ex um, American Ninja Warrior winner, the first winner actually, awesome. Uh, she is going out with Ricochet, and they have something in common with they are super freak athletic. She had the Kofi Kingston spot, if you will, and did some crazy stuff climbing up the uh, the, the bar for the uh, turnbuckle. Uh, from it was just it was nuts. All right, then Zelina Vega would come out. Uh, Zelina Vega would go underneath the ring, and she would hide there. Later on, Hornswoggle was out there. She was trying to make fun of someone who fell out of the ring. I believe it was Dana Brooke. And uh, Hornswoggle came out and chased her to the back. Okay, that's a, that's a neat reference. Ruby Riot came out with the other members of the Riot squad, and they were pulling people out, beating the shove, and throwing in so Ruby could eliminate them. She eliminated Alicia Fox, Candice LeRae, Kerry Sane. Um, and, uh, then let's see. Yeah, Dana Brooke then came out. Uh, Io Shirai did a moonsault onto the Riot Squad that was beating up uh, Kari Sane on the outside. Then she came in. Then Rhea Ripley came out, uh, ex NXT Women's UK uh, wrestler. Sony Deville came out. Uh, then Alexa Bliss, big pop for Alexa. Then Bailey. Um, And then Lana was supposed to be 28, but she was limping from what happened early in the night. Uh, They had a bunch of producers, including, um, what the heck's his name? Um, Fit Finley down there checking her out. We'll come back to that in a second. Then Nia Jax. And then, of course, 30 was Carmella. And um, basically towards the end, Rhea Ripley was taken out by Bailey. Sonya Deville was taken out by Alexa Bliss. Um, And then we had, like, the final people in the ring, or so we thought. Uh, Bailey and Carmella took out Alexa Bliss. Um, Bailey was taken out by Charlotte and Nia Jax, and Becky came out, pleaded with with, um, Sith Finley to let her go in the ring, that she wanted to prove herself. Finally, he gave her the okay, and it was down to Carmella, Charlotte, Nia, and Becky. Carmella got dumped out by Charlotte. Nia got dumped out by Becky. And, yeah, by Becky, Uh, She then pulled her out, beat the crap out of her, threw her back in the ring. She was limping, and it was down to her. And uh, Charlotte, the queen, and uh, Becky won, and everyone went crazy, and it was an awesome moment. And she's going to go against – she's going to probably get the main event against Ronda Rousey for the title, and most likely we win it, we all hope, at WrestleMania. I thought Charlotte was the MVP in this, followed by Ember Moon. Charlotte just looked so domineering. It is something about that darker lipstick, man, and she just looks sinister. And she gets in a mode where she looks possessed. Is it the the what what the what everyone says on the announce team? And my God, she was just she looked possessed. She really did. And everyone I think did really well in this match. Everyone had their spot. There was a couple things I could have uh, I wish I could have seen. I love the stare down between Charlotte and Kari Zane just because the size difference and the fact that Kari Zane just like you know started like screaming at her. Like, I thought that was awesome. I wish we got one between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. I thought that Rhea Ripley got a lot of comparisons to Charlotte back when she was younger. She tried to stray away from those, and she changed up her look. And she was like, I don't understand why I'm compared to her, I'll, I'll, because I'm a blonde and I'm athletic, basically. And it was actually, I don't know if it was hindering her, but she just didn't like the comparisons, So that's why she went to the biker look. So in retrospect, after her t- kind of telling that story, it would have been cool to see them square off in the ring. Um but uh, like I said, I thought this is a great war, uh, Women's Royal Rumble, just a great Royal Rumble in general. Um, and I'm happy that both Royal Rumbles didn't have a lot of legends and they let some of their new talent take over. But then again, I think it kind of took away from it a bit at certain spots because it took away some of the like excitement um, when someone that probably a, a abundance of the audience didn't know. Chris, what did you think about the Royal Rumble? Anything stand out to you from this, Kitsa? Alright, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with the
1: negative. The negative being Lacey Evans unfortunately is greener than fucking baby shit and they send her out first to have a wrestling match with Natalya for two fucking minutes while they wait on this next entrance and they botched every fucking move they tried. So just Poor right Natalia. off of that I was, I was like, Ugh. and Natalya is one of the she's been doing this a long time and and couldn't help Lacey. So I think they put Lacey in a bad spot, uh, which doesn't help, you know, her at all. So I'm not even going to blame this on Lacey Evans. I just think whoever decided that's what they should do so that she could cut a promo, they should have just saved that promo for Raw or something else because it was fucking rough. The beginning of this entire thing was a little rough leading up until you started getting, like, Mickey James and Ember Moon. Um, The big thing to me, Nikki Cross, I thought that... Her that personality felt, felt fell very well with inside the confines of Royal Rumble. She came out like a complete crazy person. I think that she was
2: great. Probably, pop I mean audience. outside
1: of big pop and probably the most over throughout the entire match outside of uh, Lynch obviously which I mean, there's not much you can do about that. I thought I that she was just well loved and well received by the crowd. Um, it was cool to see Xia That moonsault looked awesome. Um Negative thing, uh, Casey Ca- Um, uh, cant- uh, Michael Cole can't say her fucking name. Neither can I. <laughs> so he kept slaughtering it. Um, and I hate landing on your back with your feet not touching is not being eliminated. Uh, I- I've hated. I've always hated it. If you're fucking, if you land on your back, like you should be eliminated. I get that they brought that into a really cool spot and what she did physically with climbing up that post and everything and walking back over to it was incredible. Great. But it's like really hard for me to care about it. Cause I'm like, yeah, you landed on your back. Like, you know, like you're fucking out. Um, it's just a pet peeve. It's, it's the same thing as Kofi Kingston standing on pancakes last year. I fucking hated that. It's like his feet's not touching the floor. It's like he's standing on pancakes. though. Like, let's not get ridiculous. Shit. Um, <laughs> which also Kofi, Kofi did something very similar where he landed on his back, but had one foot up. Um, so both feet didn't touch at the same time, and I wasn't a huge fan of that either. So it's not, you know, anything against Casey. Uh, I think she's incredible, and I think as she gets more time in the ring, I think that she could be, uh, you know, I maybe a female version of Ricochet. Who the hell knows? she could probably do some really cool stuff. Not like she's not dating someone that knows what they're doing. So that would be fucking really cool. So I'm looking forward to that. I thought the Zelina Vegas stuff was really fun, except for the soggle spot. I kind of just wanted someone like Nia to just see her and grab her and pull her in or something, as opposed to, like, having creepy Hornswoggle run after her. I thought that Billy Kay looked like an absolute idiot. She waited for her tag partner, waited for her tag partner, ran in the ring, and then, like, as soon as she got in the ring and started getting her ass kicked, her tag partner came out. It was like, she couldn't have waited, like, 90 more seconds. You know what position you're coming in beforehand. It's not a fucking surprise. So I thought that was kind of dumb. Um, I think I, I thought Yoshira looked great. Uh, Rhea Ripley is, looks like an absolute monster. I wish they would have done a little bit more with her. I think having her eliminate someone like Nia would have made a lot of sense, kind of saved her to the end to build her up a little bit more. But I, I understand why they didn't go that route. Um, the finish, I thought Charlotte channeled her inner Ric Flair very, very well when she started going after the knee. It almost looked like how Ric Flair would set up the figure four to a T. And it was really great. And I also liked that she became a cocky ass heel and just, she could have went after Becky and just kept beating the shit out of her outside of the ring. Instead, she was cocky, waited for her to get back in the ring and then it cost her. Um, And it was a great moment for Becky Lynch. I I think that they should have, in all honesty, I think they, I wish they would have went the route with Becky Lynch being like the, the first or second person in the Rumble because she also wants to fight Rousey and hold both titles. I think that would have been a better way to go uh, because it's almost heelish that poor Lana couldn't get into the Rumble and Becky comes out and steals her fucking spot and then wins the Rumble. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it was a good and the fans fucking loved it and popped really hard, which sucks for our next match, but that's <laughs> That's how I. Um, th- those are the main things I took away from from it. Obviously, I actually Dana Brooke looked really great. And she hadn't been on the the roster in a while, She slimmed down. And I thought she had uh, a pretty good little heat moment when she came in. But outside of that, the, you know, I think I named out all the stuff that really stood out to me. about you know, looking at a, a match, a
0: full mm-hmm. match
1: breakdown.
0: It's so hard with the Royal Rumbles, man. All right, so since we have uh, about 15 minutes left, um, I don't have to go too much into overdrive, but I'm just going to – we'll do it like this. So we had the two championship matches, (laughs) and if I were to have told you that a 20 – almost 25-minute match between Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles would not be as good as a Brock Lesnar versus Finn Balor match that was not even nine minutes, like – But the audience really killed it. And, I mean, we have seen them before. And another thing is they can't cut loose like they used to because of WWE style. So there was a lot of rest holds. And I think that the WWE championship match was extremely hindered. And it didn't help that Eric Rowan came out looking hipster as fuck to help out Daniel Bryan. They're going to go more into that. I'm willing to give him a chance with that. But I think that that really threw everyone for a loop. AJ lost because of a rep bump. Dan O'Brien retained. Then we cut to Finn Balor and um, Brock Lesnar, and Finn is destroying Brock immediately, trying to just take him down, and Brock finally catches him uh, when he goes to do... Um, uh, what the hell are those things called? Where the loop-de-loops around them. Um, I can't remember the name. It doesn't matter. The uh, um, Yeah. yeah um, so uh, he... Uh, He did that, caught by Brock, they went at it, and then they went to the outside, and then Finn nailed him, what I believe, three or four, um, you know, leaps outside of the ring. I forgot what the exact technical term is. And and then at one point also, drive Brock into the announce table. Now, Brock has a problem with diverticulitis. Um, It's an abdomen issue within your intestines um, that happens. And uh, they really played off that. I wish the commentary actually would have played off that because they they, they neglected to mention that. But it was definitely, it looked like he's wearing him down. He's going after something. And he also has the coup de grace as a finisher. So if he gets it on Brock, he actually has a chance. Really started making us believe that coup de de grace happens, Brock gets the Camorra lock, something he hasn't used in a very long time on Finn, desperately to win last minute and taps him out. Uh, Just looking like a madman Sold like a motherfucker to Finn It was a good match Afterwards Brock kind of pissed Still sawing his stomach Doing a really good job with that Gives him a couple suplex cities And then gives him that five And leaves him for his troubles But a lot of fun And I'm really looking forward to Brock and Seth Because it seems like Brock really likes working with these small athletic guys And uh, likes to get good matches out of them What would you think about the two matches Chris?
1: I thought the Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles match was a lot better than people are giving it credit for. I think the crowd was fucking deflated. I think if you put that same match on NXT or something um, in a better spot, that people care more. But after Becky Lynch won, everyone was just so fucking hyped for the moment that the match almost seemed like an after, even though it was AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. I also think if Daniel Bryan was a face here and AJ Styles was a heel, this match positioning probably would have made a little bit more sense. The match itself was fine. Nothing crazy. Uh, I think there was some really cool spots in it, the back and forth with some of the chain wrestling that they were doing uh, between submissions, the, ca- the uh, calf crusher and uh, the label lock, I-, I thought was interesting how they were getting in and out of that. But it's a weird, I think I should go back and watch it again because I-, I was high on it at the time. I thought it was a good match, but it was just, you know, the match after the rumble. So it's hard to get into. That being said, This Brock Lesnar-Finn Balor match was fucking awesome. For like a fucking 10-minute match. Dude, Brock Lesnar is the king of 10-minute matches. Like, I know that we've given Brock shit for not being there in the past and not having necessarily the best match against Dean Ambrose, but like the last few Brock matches, given the time that they're giving them to work and what he's able to accomplish in the ring... And just how well stuff has been booked was great. Then Balor ended up, to me, looks like a million bucks in this match. Like, he beat the absolute dog shit out of Brock Lesnar. And then Brock Lesnar started suplex. And suplex. And suplex. Which, I know some people aren't into that, but it's awesome. <laughs> like, I think suplexes are really cool. I have zero problems with it. And then to, like, Brock gets pushed into the table and throws himself into it so hard he cuts his stomach open, basically. There's a big red gash across the stomach the rest of the match. And then you get Finn with another comeback. He starts jumping outside of the ring and hitting the, uh, the somersaults after somersault after somersault. And it is, like you said, it did set you up like, if he hits the Crawl, this shit could be over. And then out of nowhere, Brock Lesnar hits a camora lock, which he has not done since he broke, what, Triple H's arm? two years ago? Yep. And it was just a great finish. Finn had to tap or Brock was going to break his arm. And it was just a good way. I thought it was a great finish. And still, like, I agree with you. you the I think we talked about this this match particular. I remember me and you talked about before the show. Um, the commentating team really missed out on a chance to talk up the diver, uh, diverticulitis. Things that Jim Ross would have done to deepen the story. But outside of that, man, this match was solid gold, especially for eight minutes it blew away the Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles match. I I mean, I know that people love technical wrestling and shit, but this match was just, just a good story told well, um, and a good moment for Finn Balor. Hopefully, you know, we get something good coming out of this for him. But, uh, for me, Paul Heyman's hands were on this match. I I don't know how much they let him talk or help book it, but this was, was booked like something he would have done, uh, with other wrestlers. He's done an ECW where you can make the underdog believable, like what he did with Terry Funk in the three-way match where Terry Funk won the title. He had to win a three-way match and beat Raven, and he somehow made it believable, and I think he did a great job with this. It harkens back to him saying, I think Finn Balor would be a great opponent for Brock Lesnar, and he fucking made it work. So, I don't know if he, I mean, obviously there's probably other people with their hands on this as well, but um, it was fucking phenomenal. Like, I, I really enjoyed this match. To me, it was the match of the night. Um, it was as cool as it was to see Becky win the Rumble, there's things I could point out about that match I didn't like. Um, the two other female matches, there's things I could point out that I didn't like. This match, I can't point out anything I didn't like. I thought it was fucking great.
0: Yeah. Excuse me, sir. I believe that we should have a match in which I present everything. Um, all right, let's go to the Males Royal Rumble. I will try to break this down pretty quickly, so you can, you know, give a good response, and I can talk a little bit about it as well. So, at first, we had Elias at number one. Hey, they told him, if you go number one, turn heel magically, and also, at the same time, Elias, you know, you can do a, a, a concert. Well, that was interrupted by Jeff Jarrett. It looked like we were going to get a duet. Then Elias smashed the, the, the uh, guitar over Jeff Jarrett's back after the, the two had an exchange, and Elias dumped over Jeff Jarrett Uh, Then we had Shinsuke Nakamura come out. We had uh, Kurt Angle come out. Very small amount of time getting eliminated by Shinsuke, three minutes into him entering the ring. It's weird what they're doing with Kurt, but whatever. Then we had Big E come out. Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling came out just like his wife did in the previous one, which is pretty awesome. Uh, He lasted a pretty good amount of time. Jinder Mahal came out and uh, got eliminated pretty much immediately by Johnny Gargano. Uh, he was in there for 30 seconds. Samoa so Joe came out, and that's when it was like, all right, Joe's out there. We're going to see some, some fun. Um, and uh, then Kurt Hawkins come out. Kurt uh, Hawkins would, I believe, go underneath the ring immediately and try to do the same exact spot they did previously. Whatever, they made it work. Seth Rollins came out, then Titus O'Neal. Titus O'Neal uh, stopped himself from getting annihilated again in joking manner. People were pointing underneath the ring. He obviously had the cue already um, and went under there, got Curt Hawkins out, went to go after him. Curt Hawkins pulled down the ropes. Tess Neal's out. Curt Hawkins now has a win, but then gets eliminated immediately by Samoa Joe. Seth Rollins comes out, um, and he eliminates Elias. Um, Then we have Mustafa Ali. No, 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 no. We keep on going, sorry. Um, Kofi Kingston comes out. Then Mustafa Ali comes out, uh, obviously scoring down a bit with uh, Samoa Joe. He was in there for 30 minutes. That's so pretty cool. Dean Ambrose comes out. Um, obviously, right at the beginning, him and Seth start, you know, wailing on each other. No way, Jose just stole a spot, basically, so they could do a little humor spot. Dumb goes in and out, out two seconds. He might have the record. Drew McIntyre enters.
2: Him and Samoa Joe have
0: a pretty cool uh You know, stare down. Um, Xavier Wood comes out. Drew McIntyre very, very quickly into it eliminates Xavier Woods. Um, They had the the spot that we talked with Kofi Kingston where he gets eliminated but uses Xavier to help him get back in the ring to just get eliminated again. Um, Pete Dunne comes out. They, They gave him a great showing, awesome in the match. Andretti comes out, great showing, awesome in the match. Paulo Cruz comes out. Uh, pretty good. Alistair Black comes out. Did I mention Baron Corbin already? No, has Baron Corbin even came out? Oh, no, okay, that's right, I'm getting to it. Sorry, guys. Alistair Black comes out. Great seeing Alistair. They also gave him a great showing. Had a great spot with him and Pete Dunne doing some work where Pete Dunne broke his fingers and they put it back in place and was trying to act like a hard-ass about it. He also eliminates Dean Ambrose. Uh, Shelton, which is very, very foretelling. Shelton Benjamin comes out. Um, good season. Shelton mix it up in this match. Baron Corbin comes out. Baron Corbin dumps out. Paulo Cruz He dumps out. Alistair Black. Fuck you, Baron Corbin. Good at being a heel. Jeff Chardy, Jeff Hardy comes out, um, followed by Ray Mysterio. And then Bobby Lashley comes in and gets out eliminated in 13 seconds by Seth Rollins, pulls him out, beats the shit out of him, puts him through a table. We think obviously this is when I'm like, yeah, Seth's definitely winning. Um, You know, he's going to be out there for a while. Braun Strowman comes out. Braun Strowman eliminates Baron Corbin. He eliminates Jeff Hardy. Uh, He eliminates Andrade. And then we have Randy Orton come out. Uh, No, no, Dolph Ziggler comes out, lying to everyone, like I said. Then Randy Orton, and then Nia Jax takes out Art truth and comes out. Um, The last couple people was Dolph Ziggler, Randy Orton, Nia Jax. We had a passed out Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman and Rey Mysterio. So they all – Take turns doing the finishers. Finally, on Nia, after she eliminates Mustafa Ali, and um, then uh, Randy Orton gets knocked out by Andrade before he's not. Or before he's knocked out by Braun Strowman. Braun knocks out Ziggler. Seth knocks out Braun Strowman, um, and we have a winner, and that is Seth Rollins. He'll be going. It is confirmed against Brock Lesnar in WrestleMania, unless Brock loses the title from now until then with the two pay-per-views, Chris. Couple words about the Men's Royal Rumble. All
1: right, real quick. Samoa Joe looked like a million bucks, tossing people around and choking people out. Uh, the elimination on uh, Adam Rose or the new Adam Rose, no, no way, Jose. I thought was awesome. Um, hated the Kofi spot this year. I don't like falling on your back as you count it as an elimination. Also, attacking your own partner looks stupid as hell, um, which is basically what happened. Uh, Rey Mysterio looked great, looked like a million bucks. Pete Dunne, I like. The finger break, I wish they would call it the finger dislocation if he's going to be putting them back in place. I think that's fucking hilarious. Like, you know, if you break someone's finger, then their finger's fucking broke. They should sell it for a while. Mustafa Ali getting eliminated by Nia Jax, I think, sucks. She took out... He took out Samoa Joe building that feud and then having her eliminate, you know, Mustafa Ali makes him look weak, in my opinion. Not because it's Nia Jax, just because... I mean, I would hope that you would think Samoa Joe could beat Nia Jax in the match. Um, outside of that, you know, I had Seth Rollins pinned to win the thing. You won the damn thing. Um, Braun Strowman didn't do anything for me in this match. They just used him as the pin, the cane type character. I drew McIntyre looked okay. Aleister Black I thought looked ama- amazing, hitting all the black mask kicks that he did. Uh, obviously, this is a speedy rundown, but that the overall, if I, if I was going to say anything else about the Royal Rumble, I thought it was okay. Not the worst one I've seen, not the best one I've seen. It was just okay. Also, Andrade is fucking awesome.
0: I agree with you, and I had a great time with the Royal Rumble. But that's it, guys. Another great episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Definitely check us out every week if you haven't beforehand. Wednesday, 7 o'clock, PM EST. Check out our website at gvnation.com. That's in Geek 5's Nation, gvnation.com, for all of our news, articles, and links to our audio accounts on Blog Talk, iTunes, Stitcher, and also our Instagram, our Twitter, and our Facebook. You guys have a wonderful night. Thank you so much. Chris, thank you so much for co-hosting with me tonight. And let the Geek vibes be with you guys. Have a good one.